The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not necessarily reflect the official position of the host, other guests, or any affiliated entities. Each participant is responsible for their own statements and opinions. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. edition of High Trust Low Context, episode 11, Earning Your Stripes. I'm your host, El Chaco, and I've got with me another awesome guest. He is a former WWF referee, former pro wrestler, road agent, media liaison, an overall 46-year veteran of the pro wrestling business, and this year's 2023 Cauliflower Alley Club Referee Award recipient, and the best darn referee I have ever worked with. He's none other than the legend, Kevin Jeffries. Welcome to High Trust Low Context. Kevin, how are you doing, man? Oh, my God, thank you. What a hell of a introduction there. Thank you very much. And it's great to be here. And it's good to see you again, my friend. Yeah, it's been a few years. I mean, uh, I, we were just saying off air, uh, I think the last time we worked together was in 2016. And that was when we were both working at uh, All-Star Wrestling in uh, Vancouver doing shows out of Cloverdale. Wonderful venue. Love that venue. And uh, I was I was at the time I was managing uh, Adam Ryder and uh, Moondog Manson. I was doing my my Donesty North version. And that's the first place you met me. Yeah. I remember we were doing some talking in the back there and you were coming over to you now make sure your position and Adam Ryder stepped in between and says, Hey, hey you know, cause Adam could see him and says, excuse me, I've been around. I'll know when to be there, when not to be there. Pal. And it worked out. Absolutely, man. And you're just an amazing person to have around. Oh, it, it was, it was a blast. Like, you know, I, I, I've said about you before in the intro, we had a lot of Luchando stuff going on. And when we were running Luchando down here in Paraguay, we had to train most of our staff right from scratch. So all of our referees were total newbies to the whole wow, thing. So wow. every single match I was doing, I had to be sure and I had to translate it. I had to kind of go over it with them in Spanish, then go over it with my, my English speaking guys in English. It was just a big rigmarole for every single match. And they got it over time. And so that kind of carried up with me when I moved back up to Canada and I get there. And I mean, you know, we had some kids that were working there as referees, too. And yeah. uh, so I hadn't met you yet. I didn't know yeah. you yet. And uh, so, you know, I was just in automatic Chaco mode because it's funny. Like, I like to, you know, because I'm a I, I was I'm a manager. I, I'm, I'm, I'm quasi retired. I'm, you know, the, the right the right circumstances. I'll come out of retirement. But mm-hmm. the, the road warriors back in the day. They had the manager, their, their best, their best years were when they had Paul Ellering and Paul Ellering used to act not just as like their in show manager, but he was like their actual manager. He would get them their bookings and do all that kind of stuff. And so maybe give us a little bit more of a rundown. I gave, I gave an intro to you, but you have been in the business for 46 years. You don't do podcasts very often. So I'm, I'm a lucky guy. I'm a lucky guy today. I get to talk to you. And uh, uh, actually you're my very first I've been asked, (laughs) you know, it's funny. uh, A good dear friend of mine, Ron Hutchison out Eastern Canada. A lot of people know Ron Hutchison trained edge Christian. Many of those Ron and I are both the same way. We, uh, you know, we've been asked to do podcasts left, right, and center. Well, if you take us to the red zone and drink some beers or something like that, maybe we do a podcast <laughs> for you. But yeah, it's just, uh, so you get to be my first, and it's it, you know, it's good to have someone that I know. Anyways, it's uh, it's I'll go it. easy but, on you. Well, let let's see but, here. So you, you're a forty six vet, forty six year veteran of the business. How did you get started in wrestling, Kevin? I loved it since I was a little kid. I uh, I remember watching All Star Wrestling out of Vancouver, which was owned by Sander Kovacs, Gene Kaniski at the time, and uh, I used to watch this always on TV every Saturday at six o'clock. My mom allowed me to watch the the show, and I I kept saying to myself, "I'm going to be a wrestler. I'm going to be in that business." You know, for sure. My mom says, uh, "My mom, my cousin was a boxer, not a main event boxer or anything like that." But my mom would always say, "I I, I don't want you to be in that. You'll get beat up." and and heard or something like that but um i went into it i started going to shows i i live in Kelowna, british columbia canada which uh started going to shows when i was younger and then at age 17 and 18 
I got to know uh, Roy McClarty, who is the gentleman that trained me. He was a referee for All-Star Wrestling and a professional wrestler for a number of years. Had a lot of 60-minute Broadway matches with a guy by the name of Vern Gagne. <laughs> and everyone knows oh, wow. Vern Gagne. So, yeah, but, AWA. Uh, under his wing and trained me. And uh, I still remember, I believe it was in Vernon, B.C., where he says, Kevin, do you want to be a wrestler? And he says, I had the biggest smile on my face. And then he started showing me different things in the ring and all that. And, and I got into it and uh, I would wrestle and all that. And then every once in a while, they'd have me referee. And then Roy said to me, he says, man, you'd make a hell of a referee. It just comes to you natural. So basically, I wrestled and refereed for a number of years and then just went into the referee. And after that. That's awesome. So mentioning about your training, I've heard a lot of good shoot, shoot interviews from from different wrestlers over the years and different different you know eras. How was that training for you? Was it pretty rough? Was it, you know, or uh, was it, yeah. uh... you know, it was discipline training, but you learn from it, eh? And he, he'd get you so, like, I remember times in the ring, Roy would get me so uptight and I just wanted to punch him in the freaking face, eh? <laughs> and he just, he would stop me and say, okay, that's it. Hit the showers or something like that. Eh? That's how you learned, you know, and, and to be able to get into the ring with people like the late great Eric Froelich, Dean Higuchi, uh, Moose Murawski, who really pushed me a lot back then. You know, it was a, it was a lot of, a lot of fun. You know, um, I tell you a story that was also in Vernon is uh, the outlaw, Bobby Bass, badass Bobby Bass. I've met him. Wild, yeah. Late great wild Don Waite. They were the Canadian tag team champions. Well, I was in the ring banging around in the afternoon and there, I didn't realize they were up in the bleachers sleeping. And I was taking backdrops and doing drop kicks and everything. And I guess I took this one backdrop and it woke those guys up and they sat up. And this Bobby Bass is yelling, get that kid out of the ring. He's showing me up for crazy sakes. But <laughs> it was funny when he told me that because I said to him, I said, Mr. Bass, you're the one I learned how to take high backdrops from watching you, watching your hand position, everything. And that. so it was kind of an honor, but he was, he's just going like, come on, man, you're outdoing me, you know, so, but tough back then to learn. I mean, the wrestling schools are a little different nowadays and all that. And I got a Bobby Bass story. Uh, so it was, or it was, a, or it was, was it Bobby Bass that used to come to the ASW shows? It was a Bass, right? It was, was it, was it outlaw yeah, Bobby, Bobby Bass? Bass he came, uh, he got an award there at All Star. That's right. Yeah. So he pulls me aside after I worked the show as Don Chaco, and uh, he says to me, "Kid, you got, you got, you got chops. You're getting real good heat out there." You got to lose some, you got to lose some weight if you want to go on TV. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, I'm just an indie wrestling manager, man. I don't care about, I, I, I don't love this enough to lose the weight, but yeah, he was funny he, to hear that. You know, he's fair, but tough. Because he's always telling me these kids don't even look like professional wrestlers. <laughs> well, I'm not a wrestler. I'm a manager. Look at Bobby Heenan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at, look at, look at, uh, look at uh, Paul Heyman. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not exactly the, the slender <laughs> spot. So you you got into it. You 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 started as a wrestler. You moved over into being a referee. And for those of you who are just listening to the show and not watching it, behind him he's got a photo of him back in the good old days working in the golden area. You you are the referee. I could see Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and is he pummeling on Ser Sergeant Slaughter? In yeah, that, Sergeant in that? Slaughter, and uh, I think the manager Adlan Al Cassie is on the outside of the ring there. The Iron Sheet, oh, wow. whatever, on the outside of the so, ring. Yeah, so. So walk me through, how did you get the call up? How did you get your, your first um, uh, business in the, in, in, in the, in the fed? Well, I worked, first of all, I started with all-star wrestling. And um, when I started with all-star wrestling, um, there is uh, two gentlemen out of Kamloops, British Columbia, Ron Kalmakoff and Claude Richmond. They're running total entertainment. At that time, they were doing all the shows in the Okanagan and up north for Sander Kovacs and Gene Kaniski. Mm -hmm. When they quit, Sander Kovacs asked me if I would take over and do the front work for promoting all the shows and all that as I was training. So, And I said, yeah, and here, here I am, an 18, 19-year-old kid promoting shows, you know, doing all the front work. And the split was 60% for the office and 40% for me after all the bills were paid. So I was making some pretty good dollars back then, you know. It was, no kidding. It was, you know, back in those days, I mean, sure, the ticket prices were three dollars or two fifty and all that back then. Yeah, but the prices of everything was lower. Yeah. Nineteen-year-old kid 
you know, yeah. I just, I, I caught on to the promotion business always and that. And then when I wrestled and that wrestled for them and that. So, and then, uh, I wrestled for, uh, for status. I wrestled and refereed for Stampede Wrestling, mostly refereed for Stampede Wrestling. Oh, my, and, my stomping uh, grounds. But, yeah. But how, yeah. But how it happened was Keith Hart gave me a call. And oh, cool. at the time Stampede Wrestling was going to start coming into British Columbia. And he asked me if I would do the front work for him and all that. Sure, I'll do it. And he says, and referee some matches. He says, you'll probably end up wrestling some matches. And so I did that. So uh, I worked with them for a long time and got to work with Bob Johnson, who was their front guy that did all the work on the road. And and uh, a lot of respect to the hearts because, you know, they looked after me. They were they were really good. I've heard and, nothing but good things, you know, yeah, in, in terms and, uh, of how they treat people you know, that help them out on the road. You hear lots of things, but I always got paid. There's no matter what. I always got <laughs> no, they're and, awesome. Uh, I had Bruce is a substitute teacher in school. And uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah I've heard enough his stories. Teacher, yeah. So and uh, <laughs> from so then, uh, when Vince McMahon, World Wrestling Entertainment, Titan Sports was buying all the companies out. I came back home. I was at home for maybe a year, a year and a half. And uh, Dynamite, Tommy Billington, gave me a call. and and said that, uh, you know, they're, they're interested you up here, and we put in a good word for you, me and Davey and all that. And, and at the same time, Dina Gucci and Moose Morelski from Vancouver had talked to the office too and says, this kid's a good referee, you know. So, so I got the call up. So, and from then I came, down, I came out and did matches. And then all of a sudden after, oh, maybe six, six months, four months, you know, doing three or four matches per night, I was in the dress room and Jack Lanza, Jay Strongbow says, uh, Hulk Hogan wants you to do his match tonight. And I go, wow. Yeah. Just was that with, um, like, wow. Okay. So was I that with Boss Man? Yeah. Um, um, no, I think the one that, uh, the very first one was with King Kong Bundy, I think in Seattle. Oh, was that in the lead up? Was that in the lead up to WrestleMania two? Um, it could have been, <laughs> my memory <laughs> shoots me. Eh? 90, so, 1986 maybe. Uh, yeah. Cause uh, like, uh, no, no, because I was, uh, with them from 87 to like 93 or so. Okay. So that might've been between, that might've been between WrestleMania two and WrestleMania three yeah. before they put him into a program uh, with Andre. So I got to do That's that really cool. and I did a heck of a job, you know, and it was nice to get praised by Hogan back in the dressing room saying, man, you were, your positioning was just amazing. You know, it was just, it was great. You <laughs> I can believe it. There and, you know, and I go, wow. And, uh, and I, I got to quote the late, great, late, great Dave Hepner for something like that. Like Dave helped me along a lot. Another fellow Canadian former referee for WWF that was there a long time. Uh, Jimmy Cardias was just, I watched him all the time, you know, Jimmy and I became good friends and all that. And I worked with Jay Strongbow's or probably, pardon me, uh, Gorilla Monsoon's son, uh, Joey, the late Joey Morella a lot. Joey Morella was his son. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And I used to, uh, Gorilla used to say to me, look after my kid on the road. Well, it was basically Joey looked after me on the road, you know. So, but we had some good time, so. <laughs> let's back it up again for a second there. So tell me about the very first night you're, you got, you got, you're working for, for your first time that you're walking in to do a show with the WWF. Your very mm-hmm. first time. Walk me through that experience. Who 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 meets you, greets you, who walks you through it? How does that go? Because it's probably Pat a lot different Patterson, than an indie wrestling. Pat Patterson and Gorilla Monsoon. They were okay. the ones on the road. So and, and uh I uh was was Pat Patterson he was he was the uh booking at he was booking at that point. Booking right? well at the beginning they were the road agents too. Him and Gorilla Monsoon were the first two that I ever worked with on the road as road agents and all that looking after it. So and, uh, Do you remember who your first match was? Uh, you know what? I can't. I can't. That's <laughs> okay. Like, give Vance Nevada a call because he could. He, you know, Vance, he's the historian. So, I, I want to interview Vance eventually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I could set that up for you easy. So yeah, <laughs> awesome. But, uh, How about the the Hulk story then? So you get told uh, you're going to well, do Hulk's I'll tell you match. About Patterson stories in that too. So sure. because uh, it was really interesting. And uh, when we were in Vancouver, I flew in for the show. They fly in, fly out, and all that came in for the show and introduced myself to them in the dressing room and all that. And it was at the Pacific Coliseum. And after my second match, Pat Patterson came over to me and says, what are you doing tomorrow? And I go, well, I go back home. You know, I'm only, this is 
the first show, they're just, you know, looking at me and all that. He says, would you do California with us? And I go, oh. he says, yeah. So, uh, so uh, they, they got me an airline ticket the next day. He says, meet, meet me in the airport the next morning and all that. Got me an airline ticket. I went down, did uh, three house shows in California and all that. And after that, he says, uh, we'll be in touch with you. And uh, next thing you know, a few days later, FedEx right away is my check. And they so gave they were me right a, on it. Yeah. That's and they really gave cool. Me, uh, they gave me uh, an extra bit of money in Vancouver, eh? Because I just came down there, a suitcase and nothing else and all that. So they, they, <laughs> so gave, they, gave, you they a gave me a couple hundred American dollars, you know, just to hail me over until then. And uh, when I got my check and, and they said that... Uh, and it was on the check, and they didn't take it off. And he says, that's what we call a, a bonus. He says, we're just making up oh. a schedule for the next month and all that. So so that was good. That's why I've always had a, you know, for Pat Patterson and uh, Corella Monson, cool. they were great. So and that's, you know, it was that's cool. And, cool. Uh, my first match, crossing? I was really, really nervous. I was, I kid you not, I probably went to the bathroom about 30, 40 times, you know. You know <laughs> putting the finish in my head over and over again. Eh? So, but it, it, I guess because I had done it so much already with Stampede and all that, it came natural. Yeah. But when you go to a new company and you go to this conglomerate company that's national everywhere, you're going to be nervous, Ohio. So. Oh, absolutely. From then, from, from then on, then, yeah, I was a happy camper. So they fly you out from Vancouver. You've just basically got the one bag on you. They fly you down to, to California. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've worked a show. So I, I, I went down, I've done cross border shows uh, in Portland. I was told like, so this is, this was in 2015. And I was told, be very careful when you're crossing the border. Cause they get real anxious about uh, whether you're working or not. And you got a work visa might've been a different time then, but uh, was there any, anything like that during your first flight down I there? About never had a problem in the, US? the border because I, uh, I lived in Idaho and wrestled down in Idaho before. Eh, and I had stuff, I had been down lots of times. I lived there for with Ed Meridian now for several months. Oh, you know, okay. For Diamond Belt so Wrestling. no problems there. I've gone through all the Meridian Moreau and that. So, and actually Terry Garvin, who worked in the office, his brother actually worked at uh, the American Customs at Blaine Washington. So if I had a problem, he always helped you. He out. always, uh, yeah, said hi and bye. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 your 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 tryout run with the WWF goes swimmingly. You get you know uh, you get the you get the confidence. You get flown down to California. You go and do more than one show. Yeah. From how long from that point to you getting the the call from uh, from Hogan to to that he wants you you know the champ. It was he wants you to six months show. after I uh, six months after I was doing matches for them already then. It was either four to six months after then all of a sudden in the dress room, like I say, Lanza and, and uh, Jay Strombo says, uh, Hogan would like you to do his match tonight. So that was cool. So, you know, okay. and then Joey Marilla, he uh, he stepped aside for me to do it and I was happy. So him and Dave Hefner were on the road with me at that time. Awesome. I think the biggest influence was from the late, great Dave Hefner. You know, like we got a lot. Oh, he was a legend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and he helped me with everything. Hey, eh? so he, he, you know, the positioning and all that, you know, just make sure everything was great. So, you know, I well, learned a lot from those guys. Speaking of positioning. So a lot, again, a lot of the, a lot of the listeners might not even think about this. Like I had to learn about positioning too, even just as a manager, don't stand in front of the yeah. hard cam, but you know, don't, don't, don't mess these things up. Yeah. Did, did any of the shows that you did in the hard cam? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Did so, so, when you're doing these, are these house shows? Are they are they tapings for house shows? All house shows, yeah. I did a load and load of house shows, yeah. So, okay, so but it's still the same. You've got if you don't learn your positioning because WWE had cameras at the shows because they were sent back to the office, you know. Yeah, and they'd sometimes put them on Coliseum home video and yeah, stuff like yeah. that too. So, so. and uh, you got to uh, you, you just it's 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 a learning thing. So and and I had already with All Star Wrestling and all that, you know, that was a big thing is learning position positioning in the ring, when to turn, when not to turn, listening to that crowd. And that's how it came natural to me. You know, when you'd, you'd be pushing back the baby faces and the heels, we double team in the other one, you know, it, it just came automatic to me because I just listened to the crowd. When the crowd turn, sort of toned down, it was time to turn around. But I always did that one, two, step back, then turn, gave oh. those guys the extra time to get I out. I love that. Like, 
I love that. I want to cut in and just say, because so in my first time ever working with you, I remember when I came back afterwards, I was like, that is a referee. That is a referee. Because, because, Understand, you like trying to do what you have to do, eh? Exactly, and you had that timing down perfect. Because yeah. the thing is, is that you know, there's nothing worse when uh, I got to pop up on the ropes. I got to do something to distract the referee. I got to do something, yeah. and that timing is so precise. Because if he turns around too fast and he sees it, well, he's got to yeah. call the match. He's if exactly. he if he if he's over for too long and he misses something, like that timing is so good. And I love that you brought up about listening to the crowd. Oh, because a lot of people to. don't. If you don't listen to the crowd, you know they're the ones that are telling you, "Come on, he's he's beating them up. He's beating them up. Turn around, ref. Exactly. Turn around." When when they finally they ain't saying "Turn around, ref" anymore, well, then you just do that. You know, and once the the baby face is stepping through the rope to go out, but still on your case, you <laughs> yep. just do that one, two back turn around. Gives you all the time in the world to get down Perfect. off that ring and just go, yep. "Hey man, I never did anything." Yep. Don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Don't know what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. And it's funny. Yeah. I, I bring up about this a lot of times to people because, you know, you hear the whole thing where people go, oh, you know, I don't like wrestling. It's fake, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it's not fake. Mm-hmm. Off. It's not fake. Okay. It's it's predetermined in ways. But at the same time, there, I've likened it to jazz. I've likened it to to jazz in terms of you got to pay attention to the to the to the audience because oh, sometimes we've, I've been in matches where we've we've flipped the uh, we've flipped the finish in the middle of the match, just based mm-hmm. on crowd, crowd reaction. Yeah, yeah. And so it is that last live art form. You know, it's just, it's a beautiful live art form yeah. and, it, and so many moving parts. And so when a referee knows what they're doing, when the re- when the wrestlers know what they're doing, when the manager w- knows what they're doing, it's, it's just beautiful art. It's just this totally, beautiful totally. song played from yeah. start to finish. And yeah. that's one of the things that I recognized when I was working with you. Cause I, Again, like a manager and a referee have also a special ref, uh, relationship because, uh, you know, we got we to interact. I don't interact that much with a lot of I have to watch where you're going. I got to watch where you're looking. Yeah. I don't want to do it right in front of you. Yeah, so, you know, exactly. I got to yeah. wait for that moment when you're looking away. Okay. I learned over the years is how to read the managers. Eh? When they wanted to do something, you can just kind of give them that look, say, OK, I'll, I'll step back and uh, we can do this. Yeah. I, and it was magic because when I was working yes. with you, it was, I had never worked with you before. And it was just like, it was, it was automatic. It just, yeah. it just yeah. flowed. And um, so tell me, tell me then again, so you've worked with some greats and you're, you're talking about the managers. Tell me about some of these legend managers you worked with. I mean, if you're working Hogan versus uh, Bungie. Jimmy Hart, man, great guy to work with because I did oh, uh, Hart Foundations and Demolition and Hart Foundations and and the Bulldogs. And, you know, I, I remember with that, uh, the Hart Foundation, the Bulldogs, and Jimmy Hart is the Hart Foundation's manager. And, or pardon me, the yeah, the Hart Foundation's manager and, and Matilda jumping up in the ring and, Jimmy just had to say one little word and Matilda would snap at him. And, but yeah, just working. Jimmy Hart was great. Bobby. Jimmy's one of the best. Amazing. 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 Just to work. Oh yeah. Uh, Mr. Fuji. He looked after me a lot on the road, you know, we'd. Oh really? Yeah. Like he, uh, you know, we'd always go and have a drink or something together, but he always took me to these Asian places. He says, good food, good food. And, you know, (laughs) Ate some good meals with him and all that. So. Everybody speaks highly of Mr. Fuji. That's for oh, sure. Yeah, he was just he was just amazing to be around. But the working with all the managers were great. But uh, what about Slick? Did you work with there. Slick? Because Slick was working with Big Boss. Yeah, I worked with Slick too. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. I can tell you some stories were slick, but uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but this show's not a late night show. This episode, um, but uh, yeah. So so so, tell me then the. You're you're in the ring. You got asked to be Hulk Hogan's referee for that night, and Bundy comes to the ring. He gets introduced first. So Bundy must have been with Heenan. He must have been with yeah. Heenan at that time. Yeah, yeah. And so Bundy and Heenan are in the ring, and then probably real American hits, and that's when Hogan's coming to the ring. It, what yeah. was that like to you know? Because that was high. Your heart that was pounding. Peak. Yeah, your heart is pounding. You know, you're like a fan again. You're standing in there, but you're saying, hey, I'm the ref, but I'm a fan because I'm <laughs> pounding and you just go, oh, my God, you know. 
you know, you're just listening to that music and you're pumped and the crowd's all standing and going crazy, eh? So, and, that, and then you just got to say, hey, come on, come on, come on, <laughs> calm down here. Let's get this job done. You don't want to screw up in front of this guy, you know? So, um, pretty good. So, that match, I remember that match because uh, we were in the ring and someone threw a bottle from up in the crowd. And it literally went by Chris, who's King Kong Bundy's real name, Chris. It literally went between Chris and myself. We both felt it ring by our ear, you know, just missed each one of us, you know, just. Was that in Vancouver? That was uh, Seattle. Oh, in Seattle. Just flew right by us. We could hear it whistling. So uh, obviously they didn't like Bundy and they were trying to hit him. (laughs) It was just in that position where I was right by him, and we both heard it whistle by, you know. And I'm staring up into the bleak. I mean, it's a sold-out place, that Seattle Arena. I swear to God, I could just look right at the person's eyes that threw it, you know, because it just seemed like there was just one or two guys standing there, you know, sort of, whoa, you know. So, but, oh, man. but those, those things happen. You just got to continue on, you know, go. But, but it just about took our ears off, so. So the referee needs to know the finish. The referee referee also needs to know some some spots in the in the matches. Yes. You got to get told if you're going to do a if you're going to do a bump or not. Yeah. Walk me through the process for a referee who shows up for work at the WWF. You know, does he does he meet with the wrestlers or does he only meet with the agent? Uh, who, who? How does that the road, work? Road agent comes to you first. The road agent comes to you and says, uh, "Hey, KJ, uh, you're doing one, four, and seven or something tonight. Get mm-hmm. with the guys and see what they're doing." So then I uh, I go to the guys and get with them and see what needs to be done. Am I involved in a certain way or a certain angle or anything, or is it just playing Jane? They don't have to give me the whole match because if I'm not the only thing I have to be involved in is, you know, certain, you know, certain thing if something's going to happen and all that and just know the finish and we just do mm-hmm. it like that. So, and, uh, and then the road agent, like Jay Strongbow or Lanza used to come to me, you got your matches and they would, I would run it through and say, this is what they were doing. They were doing it was good to go. So, but you know, I had a, I guess the m- memory for me back then is like, it was, it, it was pretty good. I could remember, you know, if, if I'm doing four matches, I can remember every one of the finishes for each. Today, sometimes I got to go back to the guy and says, what's the finish? And again, give me the finish in your match, eh? So today they just, they're in the dress room going through the whole freaking match. And, oh, know, yeah. No, I, that, that- Back that was something day, that was new to me. It in the ring, you know? Yeah, I I used to show up and be like, okay, where's the finish, and do you, do you have any spots where I'm interfering? What do you want me yeah. to do? Otherwise, yeah. I'm watching. I'm looking at my guy. A lot of times, I would I would say to my guy, okay, hey man, you know, if you need a rest hold, if we if you need to get the heat, take a rest yeah. hold, start a choke hold, and that's when that's when I will go and do my thing. I'll read off yeah. of you. And when it comes to these planning and these matches, yeah, a lot of these ones now, like I, I remember when I've shown up for a few matches and the guy hands me a script and I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> get this out of here. Paid to do this movie or? Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. I'm not getting yeah. paid to do a commercial here, buddy. Yeah. You know? And, um, and it's funny because again, you got to read, you got to read the room. And, and it's interesting that you say to me, you know, like, you know, coming in and they say you're working one, four and seven. When I go back and I watch WrestleMania three, which is my personal favorite WrestleMania of all time, mm-hmm. I watch and I look at Jimmy Hart. That yes. guy worked his butt off that night. Yeah, I think he, he came up for there. three or four matches. Times. Yeah, I spent some time with him at the CACs this year again. He's just amazing to be around. So, oh, he's somebody. He's on my he's on my list of people I really want to meet. He uh, influenced me quite down a bit. To the Actually, Flower Alley Club, you'll meet him. One of these days, one of these days, I'll fly up there. Now, that, yeah. It's funny because I don't know if you remember this, but when I would work with you, I would I'd scream a lot. That's my gimmick. You know, I, 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 I would blow out my voice every single show I would work. And I, I used to say all the time, I'm like, you know, darn that Jimmy Hart, you know, because he's the only one that could use that megaphone. If I come up with a megaphone, it's just completely, yeah. you know, mimicking Jimmy Hart. I can't yeah. I can't do it out of respect for him. I can't do it. He lost his voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly it's just yeah. you can't do it man it's hard on the yeah. old voice i was gonna say the one thing people don't understand is uh the referee has the hardest job in there i kid you not there's I no one yep. part of it. and i i'm not you know yes i'm a great referee i'm a good referee i've been around a long time but i could make 
you look like a million dollars, or if you don't listen, I can make you look like a piece of shit in there. So, you know, and I'd rather totally. make you look like a million dollars. So just yeah. listen when I'm talking to you. You know, if if I don't think something's going the right way, change it up. So, you know, because totally. I'm totally. always listening to the crowd. So, well, that's what I don't like about a script because the thing is, yeah, is once you get exactly. off of the script, you, it's yeah. like, how do I get back onto it? Now, yes. I'll make an exception. I just said that WrestleMania 3 was my favorite. And in WrestleMania 3, Savage Savage Steamboat was completely like move for move scripted oh, the yeah. entire thing. They 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 re- rehearsed it. That is the exception to the rule. That is that is not the, that is not normal, but when it happens, I mean that was magic, but I mean you you know, you can't capture lightning in a bottle twice with that kind of thing. No. And no, it, no. It, it's funny you bring up about the referee has the hardest job. Even from a working perspective, even just from the work side of it, when I watch a referee, just the idea that a man can get knocked unconscious and then when he comes back to consciousness, the very first action that he does is to go back to his work and <laughs> to count a three count. It's just yeah. it's one of my favorite things about wrestling. It's just like mm-hmm. this little niche thing that's just perfect. Yeah. Did, did you take any of those uh, down, down ref bumps moments in, in the WWF? Yeah, I took quite a few bumps in the WWF. I think the first one I took was in Portland, Oregon. They asked me to get tossed through the ropes. And (laughs) I landed so amazingly, you know, because I wrestled too. eh? Yeah, yeah. But I always said as a referee, don't take the bump like a wrestler because you're not supposed to be a wrestler, eh? That's right. So I went through the ropes pretty stupid and all that and then take the bump on the floor. And when I got back in the dressing room, I think it was – Tony Guria and it could have been Jay Strombor. It might have been. Uh, they said, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" I said, "Yeah, I'm fine." And it, you know, it, it didn't bother me. And so, same with Billy Gunn. One night, I took a bump outside the ring, and I popped the floor so freaking hard. And he's waiting behind the curtain in the back. Going, hey, man, are you okay? I said, yeah, yeah, it's a work. It's working. Okay. So, but that one in Portland, after I did that one in Portland, they had me do a few more and all that because they knew that I knew how to bump, eh? But mm-hmm. uh, like I say, as a referee, referees listening to this out there, don't bump like the wrestlers because you're not no. a wrestler. So take a stupid bump. Be careful, but learn to take a stupid bump or, you know, sell it. Sell, it's sell, funny bump. you bring that up. It's funny you bring that up because so I I had done my I I've, I've never been formally trained as a wrestler, but mm-hmm. I had done my homework and I and it's funny because uh, my gimmick Don Chaco doesn't have a lot of offense you know he doesn't mm-hmm. have a lot of offense and so there'd be times when I when uh, the baby face gets knocked out of the ring and I go around and I I give a kick or two and I I remember the first time I did it I was trying to impress you know, Scotty Mack and, and Sullivan and Drexel with my ability to do a, a proper wrestling kick. And they pulled me aside and they said, you're a manager. Your kick has to look wussy. Your, yes. your, kick, your kick has to look horrible. And yeah. I, and it's funny because yeah, again, I, I, I save my bumps. I take bumps, but I don't take them very frequently mm-hmm. because I feel like, you know, if you, if the, if the manager bumps all the time, it loses that mystique. So well, if you, yeah. if you save yeah. it, if you save it for the right t- moment, you can get a pop that's bigger than anything if, if mm-hmm. it's saved properly. And thankfully, you know, again, going to Jimmy Hart, I have learned, you know, uh, well, not even just Jimmy Hart. This is a J.J. Dillon thing. Uh, the, the, the rope bump has been a lifesaver for me. So, you know, mm-hmm. I come up and I'm yelling and, you know, I'm doing what I think. And I get, I get smoked. And the beautiful thing is, is I can fall and it can look ridiculous and horrible but thanks to that rope as i'm grabbing it on the way yeah. down i'm yeah. not going to get i'm not going to get pummeled so bad yeah. and so and you know like but you're going to hang yourself first yeah. <laughs> exactly and yeah. so like you know if, if anybody watches any of my bumps a lot of times you're going back and you're trying to hit your everything's got to be flat and it's got to it's got to look it's got to sound good and look good when I take a bump because I'm wearing a suit jacket and all this kind of stuff, it looks ridiculous. And if you know, a lot of times when I'm doing it, I'm I'm trying to make it look even more ridiculous. So I have the glasses, I have a wide brim, uh, a wide brim uh, hat, yeah. uh, hat on, and so if I take a bump from somebody, I explode like a chicken. You know, just yeah, boom, like all, all everything off. goes yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it <laughs> looks good. It, does. it looks great. That's why I don't do it very frequently. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't want good. people to ask yeah. for it. So yeah. 
tell me about tell me about some of these uh, some of these legends that you got a chance to work with. Tell me what were they like? Were they kind to you? You, you know, you about Mr. Fuji. I, I worked with so many of them, you know, and I got along with them all. So you know, I'm, like when you're up in that office, you know, there's 200, 400 people working. Of course, you're not going to get along with all of them, but right, you know, business is business. You know, pleasure is pleasure. But no, I just went in, did my job, and you know, and and I was happy, and uh, I I never had a problem really with any of them. So you know, and that's sort of the way I've been. Uh, when I was in there, I I was all ears all the time, always listening, listening, listening. You know, and that's how you learn if you just keep your app shut and listen. You know, and 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 get along with all of them. You know, what they do in their own personal life is their personal life. You know, who cares? You know, as long as you come to work and you do your job, it's amazing. So. But, you got uh, yeah, so you got Jim Duggan in the background in that uh, in that photo. I've never mm-hmm. heard a bad thing about Jim Duggan. He's one of the good guys. Like, I mean, he's a baby yeah, face always, through and through. He always smiles outside the ring. Another one that I got a chance to work with was George Animal Steel, the league. Oh, Steel, oh, he was my first favorite wrestler. And, and there's <laughs> another one. Uh, yeah, I got a story on him. Uh, he'd always wrap the microphone cord around me. Eh? And, uh, <laughs> oh, because that was when he was working heel. Yeah, he was working yeah. heel. Even if he worked baby, he'd do crazy things like that yeah. and chase you or something like that. So, so I this it was actually Portland, Oregon, and, and you know, like Portland was always fun for me. But again, um, I figured I'm going to get him. I think he was against Honky Tonk that night. So, oh, so that was an awesome too. Here. I went to the building early, and uh, I asked the ring guys. I says, which corner is George's? Because we had a special turnbuckle for him. Where it was oh, that's right. Up all the phone, eh? So, yeah. And I figured I'm going to get this guy back tonight when he bites this turnbuckle for all the microphone cords wrapped around me, eh? By the timekeeper's <laughs> desk and everything. So, <laughs> so, uh, but how this, how the story, how it goes is okay. I, I soaked, I told the guys that, that's setting up the ring, I says, you guys say one word to anyone back there about this. I says, you'll be gone, you know. I'm going, you'll be gone, eh? But, but I, I had a big bottle of Tabasco sauce, and I poured it on the corner, eh? So, so anyways, always the deal with George was when it was time for him to go for the turnbuckle, he'd go in, he grabbed it like this, eh? And I'd scoop yep. up in between, and I'd look at the crowd and go, no! And he'd go, yes! No, you can't. Yes, no. And then he'd beal me across the ring always, eh? And then just grab the mic cord or something. Too. So then he goes back to the corner. He bit in. And I'm laying back there with his microphone cord, and I, I'm watching him bite in. And he pulled it like that. Some foam came out. He looked at me. He, he was chasing me. He chased me back to the, direct, to the dressing room that night. So he got a mouthful of it. Eh? So, but he didn't hear about it, though. Eh? It, was, it was all in fun. That was a great that. room. He had so many good times on the road. And, you know, up until he passed away, I got a Christmas card from him every single year. Oh, that's every beautiful. Year I got a Christmas card from that guy. That's so, beautiful. Tell me about the Hebners. Tell me about the Hebners. So you brought up about Dave. Yeah, Tell me about uh, the influence. Hebner, I got to work with Dave more than Earl, and then Earl came along, and I got to work with him a lot. But they were exactly the same. They were great people to work with. Great people to work with. Great. Great teachers, amazing teachers, you know. So, yeah, they were they were fun to be with. Lots of fun to be with. So, yeah. So yeah, for um, for anybody listening who's not familiar with them, so they were twin brothers who were twin brothers. Were yeah, they did that Hogan yeah. thing with the twin. Uh, oh, with the twin throwing the other one out, and then you know, I still get PTSD up. from that as a you know as a kid. I, I was watching mm-hmm. that main event, yeah. and that yeah. th- that whole thing happened. And my dad will vouch for it. I came up yeah. bawling my eyes out, going, "I can't believe." One would order food and eat it and then walk away, and the other would sit down and say, Ma'am, I ain't got my meal and get two meals. They were that they, they were that close, you know, in, in twins looking together. But no, I, I learned a lot from both of them, and they were always good to me. As soon as I walked into the, the dressing room, they were over there just hugging me and telling me, Hey, let's do this and do that you know they were always always and and that's one thing i when i started in the business and still to this day critique me did i do anything wrong i don't care because we're always learning 
This mm-hmm. business, you're always learning. And today, working in the ring with all the young kids and all that, you're still learning because there's a lot of new things, eh? And that's so, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of new moves and all that. And sometimes I go, you're doing what? I've never heard of that. What is it? You know, because they got <laughs> these new names to it. You know, we just said, give me a ride through the ropes. But they, they call these things everything. So, but you're always learning. But that's the best thing is listen, listen, listen. That's all. You and I have also another thing in common. So you and I worked for All-Star Wrestling together, but yes. you and I have also worked a lot with our favorite midget wrestlers. Uh, so oh. you've worked with uh, Short Sleeve Samson quite a yeah. bit, and he's a class act. Love the guy. Yeah, he sure is. We interviewed oh. Lil Fabio earlier. Did you ever work with Lil Fabio? Yes, I did. Yes, uh, I worked with Chris a lot. So, yeah. He's fantastic. God bless him. You know, he's in a wheelchair now. And yeah, you know, I love him, Chris. If you're ever watching this, man, I love you, kid. Uh, um, I got a chance to work with a lot of the midgets back in the day, too. Um, Lord Littlebrooks, Cowboy Lang, Little Tokyo, and I, we traveled a lot. Billy the Kid. Oh, yeah. So many of them we traveled always on the road. I drove a lot in Idaho. Cowboy Lang and Little Tokyo stayed with me and Ed Moretti on the road down there. And I drove with those guys a lot. It was Tokyo and I that and Cowboy Lang that did a lot of the finishes for the matches, eh? And, oh, really? Uh, yeah. We taught the finishes for the high spots and all that sort of thing, eh? So we got to do a lot of that. So, and it was a lot of fun. And then up in WWF, when they came up there, I was refereeing their matches too on the road. And it was great. And then uh, it's funny because I was coming down for a booking in Vancouver years later for Michelle Starr and Nathan Burke, you know, for All-Star mm-hmm. Wrestling two amazing guys that I love dearly, their mm-hmm. families too. And they, I remember Kyle Sebastian, who lived up here in Kelowna at the time, he says, the, the midgets are going to be there. Um, and he said, uh, short, short Sleeve Samson and Mike Reed were coming in. Oh, um, Prince you, Akeem, you I, I managed him. Yeah, I managed him. work with a lot too, which was cool. So yeah. But anyways, uh, when I came into Cloverdale and Kyle says, you should do his match. And I says, well, that's up to the booker to promote it to do, which – you know, with me at that time, it wasn't Star would always ask me, what do you want to do? Eh? So, and mm-hmm. uh, Star came to me, he says, will you do the midgets match? I says, of course. Of course. So I, I met with the two of them eh, right there, got to meet them. And, and it was nice because Shortsley said, I've heard nothing but good things about you. And I go, man. And Shortsleeve and I are, are dear friends, great friends. Oh, you know, same with Mike Reed. I was just talking to Mike Reed about a week ago or so again. So oh, he's you know, both of them. And I got the chance to work with them again. And we had so much fun. And and uh, Shortsley doesn't want to do too many of the high spots because, he, you know, it's a little people, big person. Hey, little people, big people are nowadays the same in the world, eh? So yeah. but just amazing to work with them. Had a lot of fun. So and, and did a few of uh, Shortsley's uh, Midget Wrestling Warrior shows. And when he was Oh, they're around, great company to work with. He's doing Pay well, well, too. So. I've seen clips of you doing a Midget Wrestling match with Shortsleeve. And I, I love... I love the spot where uh, they kick out of a of, of a pin and they oh, lift up them up into your arms. Him. Yeah, and yeah. you throw them back off. Oh my god, one, two, yeah. So yeah, that's good. And boy, you get, and you got to be positioned right, eh, for that. Yes, you do. You yes, you, you do. Gotta, you're lifting a hundred some odd pound kid, eh? So you, yeah. you don't have your arms under right to give that extra push. It doesn't I, work. And I've seen referees grab the guy and just bloop, drop him right there, and I go, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, so it was actually actually yeah. at the Cauliflower Alley Club one year they were doing that spot, eh? And I oh, that's a great spot. And, and they did it, and the the referee just couldn't lift the guy. And I go, oh my god, I should have done the match for you, you know? So oh man, yeah. positioning is everything too, because like yeah, I, I, and, if, and you got to know when it's time, eh? And that's the thing. Yeah. So, um, speaking of star wrestling, Michelle Star was a special referee one night. And he came mm-hmm. back to the dressing room and he goes, oh, my God, Kevin Jeffries, how the heck do you do this? He says, I can't, <laughs> I can't do what you do. And I says, now you understand why I want more money. <laughs> 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 yeah, so, it's it true, is, man. I mean, it's true. Promoters pay your referee their work <laughs> because they're doing more than everyone else. I don't care what you say. Well, if and a bad referee will cost you. Matches, pay him for it come on you know yeah it's hard a, work bad, a bad ref will cost you too they, they will absolutely oh, cost well, you. Never a cost bad you. ref will I've botch it. it i've seen it so many times and i just don't say a word i just go hmm. no no it's and it's and it's unfortunate you know like 
Yeah, I, I've definitely worked. I, I won't say who. I've worked with good, and I've worked with mediocre, and I've worked with uh, yes. the yes. Driz. And oh, so it, have it's, I. So have I. Yeah. Uh, I'm one to speak up. I'll go to the promoter and say, "Where'd you get that person from?" You know. Yeah. He'll, he'll kill your town, man. He'll kill your town. <laughs> well, and that's the thing too. Is like I've seen. One of the most unfortunate trends that I've seen recently, again, not naming names, but one of the things that has been an unfortunate trend I've seen from the the business right now is referees going into business for themselves, like oh, like really going into business for themselves. And I'm thinking to myself, first off, okay, don't go challenging the wrestlers. These are the most dangerous men in the world. So don't get up in their face too much. I mean, you know, don't, yes. yeah, you're the authority and that's, that's fair, but don't go tough guy on them because yeah. you're, you yeah. should still have a little bit of fear when you're going in against these guys who are supposed to be the toughest guys in the world. Secondly, I mean, again, I want to watch a good referee is so good that I don't quite notice them. And, and that's, you know, Thank it's you like, very much. Yeah, I don't quite notice them. You know, you're you're talking about things like positioning. You got to go. You got to lock up. You're going in between. You got to keep that guy from going out of the ropes. You know, there's 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 a whole rule book of wrestling that most people don't even know. But a referee that knows their 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 job knows those rules, and those rules are there for a reason. Those yeah. rules are there to keep the flow of a match going. If we just completely step all over those rules, and I don't like it when wrestlers totally negate the whole 10 count. You know, like, I mean, it, it, yeah. it, you, it's not it, with me. You're they making us all look bad. I'll ring the bell. You know? Yeah, exactly. If you're showing yes, at least down, get I'm in it. Three. I don't care. And I've done it so many times and I don't care. <laughs> you're not going to make me look like an idiot in there. So, no, the you got to save the business. Kind of smart nowadays. So, but <laughs> exactly. when you get back to, you know, the, the referees taking over, James Beard, myself. Uh, J- do you know James Beard? Have you met James? He's a legendary referee out of Texas, Natty, booked in Japan. He's been all over and all that. So, and uh, Is he noticing the same thing? The, yeah, we're in, the, we're in the same category as uh, the referees today are putting themselves over. They want the limelight. I mean, they're making T-shirts up. They're selling photos and everything. Yeah. And if you watch any of my matches – I am hardly in any pictures in my matches. I stay out of the way. It's all about the guys or it's all about the ladies in the ring. I'm mm-hmm. putting them over, not myself. I'm not there to put myself over. If there's a spot that they need me to be in, I'll be in that spot. But it's all about them. And that's, and I, yeah, I'm old school on that. And you kind of learn the new school. But like, take for instance, I was just up in Prince George here. Uh, Vance Nevada had me up there with the Mauler and all that, doing a special two night show and all that and they were saying you should have had some of your pictures of you and hulk hogan you could have sold them but i've never thought of that i've never thought of mm. that you know it's, it's it's about the guys selling their merch and making their money the you know to grab their food for the night or something like that i've never but today's their 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 referees are getting right in the picture right away and trying to be the hot shot in there and and yeah. holding themselves on the shows you know um I've really never ever been promoted on a show until this last weekend in Prince George. They were kind enough. I saw the ad and Hogan and a new picture of me saying coming up to be a special referee for the championship match and all that. And I was, I was appalled by it. I mean, it hit me, you know, like, Oh, you didn't like that. Yeah. I thanked them for doing that, you know, and uh, it's never, it's never been about that, but that's the first time I've ever been on a poster on a advertisement mm. for, you know, and, and you see a lot of it now, you know, they're pushing the referee all the time. Well, uh, you yeah, know, you got to ring the bell. And if, if it's not my type of thing, but sure. If you want to push your referee, push the legendary referees, you know, not the <laughs> guys that are just there to sell a, an eight by 10 or something like that. And want to be in, right. involved in the whole sh- event, you know, stay out of the picture and, and let them wrestle. But, you know, Again, it's a new era, and I have, you know, I have no say in how they do that. So it'll revert back. It always does. It always has to. It's a, it's a thing. Is we keep trying new things, and we always need to go back to the traditional stuff because yeah, traditional stuff true. works. Yeah. It always works. So when you're watching these matches, and you're, I know you easily can give a lot of good advice to other referees. But do you give a lot of uh, advice to uh, workers coming up, and maybe suggestions yes, on yes, things yes. afterwards? Um, do they listen yeah, to you? I, good? I, 
I spend lots of times. I mean, I spent a lot of time with Kyle Sebastian, Colin Cutler, Adam oh, yeah. Meyer, you know, they always came to me and say, say, what do you think about this? You think about this? And, you know, and, you know, you know, there's been the odd time where I, you know, said, no, this doesn't, you know, that doesn't make sense and all that. But those kids were so smart to the business. Eh? They knew the business. They knew how to perform and all that. But I get a lot of the kids today, too, like, you know, Sean Gaston, who's with Thrash Wrestling. He's a champion right now. Uh, Braden Goss, another amazing young guy that Vance Nevada has spent a lot of time with, and I spend a lot of time. So much respect for these kids. So, And I was just um, with two young kids this past weekend up in Prince George. I got to meet him. Wes Parker, a young fella out of Prince George. He goes uh, uh, as the prospector, and, oh, my God, this guy, you know, he – I guess he asked Vance Nevada if I would do his match, but it's funny because Vance says, "What are you going to? Which match you want to do?" And I said, "I'll do this guy's match." Eh? And he said, "It's funny that he wants you to, you know." So I was happy to do it for him. A great guy, and then a fella out of Ottawa, London Bernard. He's 19 years old, and my God, I'm telling you, Chaco, this guy, psychology in his head, you know, it's just amazing. He just and. Today, I just endorsed him on my my site. I just says to promoters, oh, cool. these two young guys can work anywhere. You know, they're just they're just amazing. Give, telling the promoters everywhere, give them a chance. because They love the business and they know the psychology of the business. They know what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. And it's been a long time since I've been with a couple young guys that have done get that. It. You know? so, and outside the ring, they're just amazing, respectful, fun to be around. So... Yeah, so I do. I, I love working. You know, when was our and, last match together? Was was our last match together the triple threat was, match with L- Lush and Ryder and uh, Tommy? I believe Dream? it was. Yeah, I believe it was. Yes. Yeah. Oh no, so, no, we did yeah. the comeback match. We did the comeback match, and it was uh, best of three falls with Ryder oh, okay. and Lush. And uh, you know, I got I got myself kicked out. You kicked me out. And then I came back Why and cost him the third, the second one too. So, yeah, I, I remember that one. That because I that was like, for kicking you out. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, it was time, the man. first time I ever got kicked out of a match, and I, I hold it against you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I I really always enjoyed working with you. I've always enjoyed you're you're such a positive person. I really like watching. Uh, you know, one of the things that I like is uh, on Facebook when I see a picture of you come up and a lot of times you, you like to do in your spare time, you like to go hiking a lot. It seems oh, and it. Uh, you're, you're out a healthy guy. All the time. Yeah. I love being yeah. outdoors like that. So I'm not a camper, but uh, <laughs> I, I enjoy going hiking on a daily hike somewhere. I really enjoy it. I, I still out there getting my exercise. Uh, you know, I'm still in the ring today. Uh, and uh, you know, I'll keep going as long as I can, you know, so I enjoy it. So, I, well, you're I, good I, at I, it, man. It. I enjoy doing it, and I love working with the young kids coming up today too. You know, if they come to me and ask me if I would watch their match, of course I'm going to watch it and I'm going to critique them. But you know, just just remember that I care for you, and that's the reason I'm critiquing you and giving you shit for doing something that you shouldn't be doing. But that's how you learn, and that's how I learned in this business too. Listen and learn. Listen and learn. So whether it's a new guy that you know, like. A lot of these kids can teach me a lot of things too, you know, that I don't know about today, which is good, but I listen, you know, yeah. and I learn too. Well, this has been a blast, uh, Kevin. I, I really am glad that you agreed to do my show. I know that, uh, you, you know, again, you're, you're, uh, you're, a, you're a tough one to pin down for these kind of things. So I, I feel, I feel honored that you came on and uh, did the show with me. And, uh, you know, if you ever, if you ever want to get a real hike in, uh, take a flight down here to Paraguay, we'll get you to work some matches down here. (laughs) We'll talk to the promoter, see what the flights are. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. I heard you got to get a per diem and a bonus. uh, If I got to keep up with Titan sports, but uh, uh, I love it, Kevin. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Thank you for having me, man. It was great to talk to you again. Just amazing. Love your brother. All right. Well, this has been another episode of High Trust, Low Context. Thank you for joining us. I'm El Chaco signing off. Viva Cristo Rey.